0: Let's take a moment and just pray. Father, we thank you that you are a holy God. You are righteous. There's no sin in you at all. You are the standard of what is right. We thank you that you are a loving God. And you sent your son for us. And it's in him that we have hope and standing before you. pray that as every believer has your indwelling spirit of God. That you, by your spirit, would do your work in each of our hearts today as we study your word. pray that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us in it, as how we can best align our lives with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a study in the book of Daniel this summer and encourage you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel. Today we are in chapter 5. We have noted thus far in our study. That Daniel and his three friends. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Never compromised towards sin. And even though they face at times. Insurmountable circumstances. They stood firm in their. A devotion to God. And in their obedience to him. We've also encountered a man named Nebuchadnezzar. Who is the Babylonian king. When Daniel was taken captive in 605 BC. And in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar was given glimpses. As to the person of the true God. And even though he had opportunity. Even though he was a polytheist. He believed in many gods. He had opportunity to see the one true God. He never yielded himself to God. And instead he was caught up in self-sufficient pride. And to get his attention. God humbled him. And we saw in chapter 4. That God. uh, Took his reason from him. And he ended up living like the cattle of the field. And most likely for a period of seven years. Ate grass like the cattle. Until one day. He looked to the heavens. And confessed his pride. And called out to the one true God. God. He summarized all that he learned in the very last sentence of chapter 4. When he said, referring to the one true God. And he is able to humble those who walk in pride. There's a lot packed into that statement. A lot of life experience on the part of Nebuchadnezzar. Well today, as we come to chapter 5 verse 1. We are jumping ahead. By 23 years. So 23 years have passed since the end of chapter 4 to the beginning of chapter 5. As we come to chapter 5 we have now looked at about 70 years of, of history from the time that Daniel was taken captive in 605 BC to the beginning here of chapter 5. King Nebuchadnezzar has died. He passed away in 562 BC after ruling for 43 years. And his son, a guy named Evil Merodach, followed him. We know that because that's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 25 verses 27 through 30 and the book of Jeremiah chapter 52 verses 31 through 34. Here in the text that we're going to read in just a moment. It refers to a guy named Belshazzar as the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Most likely it's a grandson. But this was very common in the ancient Near East. To use the phrase son in reference to one who's merely just a descendant. So we know that after Nebuchadnezzar's son, Evil Mordach, died... Uh, A younger son took the throne. And this man, Belshazzar, is most likely the son of that youngest son. And we're going to find this grandson. Even though he has uh, first-hand knowledge of what took place in the life of his grandpa. Even though he knows these accounts of the one true God this grandson is going to in a very outward way challenge god he's going to reject god and the things of god he's basically going to say that his pantheon of gods is greater than the one true god and he's going to do it at a banquet and so i'm going to read these verses out loud you follow along in your copy of the bible as we look at chapter 5 and look for how this man Belshazzar challenges God. Belshazzar the king held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of silver, gold, and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale. And his thoughts alarmed him and his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers, the Chaldeans, the diviners. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Then Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words the king and his nobles, the queen spoke and said, Oh, king live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There's a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your your but in King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult promises were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you that a spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination, insight and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me but they could not declare the interpretation of the message But I personally have heard about you that you are able to give the interpretation and solve difficult problems. Now if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me. You will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck. And you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription of the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king the most high, God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished he killed and whomever he wished he spared alive. Whomever he wished he elevated and whomever he wished he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass that eat like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Until he recognized that the most high God. Is ruler over the realm of mankind. And that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you. His son Belshazzar. Have not humbled your heart. Even though you knew all this. But you have exalted yourself. Against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels. Of his house before you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. Which do not see, hear or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath, all your ways you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him and the inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, mene, tekel, upharsin This is the interpretation of the message. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple. And put a necklace of gold around his neck. And issued a proclamation concerning him. That he now has authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. That same night Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain so Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about age of 62 we'll see that Belshazzar this ruler is going to put his fist before God and by his actions he is saying my pantheon of gods are greater than Israel's God. And that he is the all powerful one. And he is refusing to believe the glimpses of truth that have been shown to his uh, people about who the true God is is school starts for many this week and uh many have been out getting school supplies i used to not care for that but it uh my sisters loved it Ah, that was not my favorite thing and but we always had a list now i see you can just go to the store and the school's list will be there for you but we had to get our pencils and our pens. And and I remember in those days. We actually had to get an eraser. I bet I have not used an eraser for 15 to 20 years. I, I, I don't even know where I would find an eraser. I don't use pencil. But I just don't have a use for an eraser. Uh, and maybe some of you do. I'm guessing a lot of you don't use an eraser either. Except. People in our culture today, even though they may not use a physical eraser, often use a spiritual eraser. And the way they use a spiritual eraser is when there's something about God that people don't like. They'll say, well, I'll just erase that part. That doesn't really line up with how I think things should be. And so instead of aligning my thinking with God's thinking. They just take out their spiritual eraser and erase what God said. Unfortunately for those who don't want to accept what God says is the reality about who he is. And what his word says about how things should be. While we think we can just erase something that doesn't line up with what I think it should be. In reality, we don't erase God. And we don't erase what God says is and what God says will be. And one of the tough truths about the passage that we look at today is that God says... That there is judgment coming. And that's not a popular thing to talk about, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be very mindful of the reality of judgment, and it actually needs to be part of our worldview, how we view the world, that when God says that judgment is going to happen, that it's Going to happen. Well here in Daniel chapter 5, as the chapter opens in verses 1 through 12, we see a very simple truth that God will judge unbelievers for their rebellion against Him. He will judge. As chapter 5 opens, most likely, The next ruler of this region. A guy named Darius. Who is a king of the Medes and the Persians. Has already conquered Babylon's territories. And now has surrounded the city state of Babylon. And is uh, ready to capture the city. And this King Belshazzar decides to have a party. I'm sure people are nervous inside the city walls. And he says, hey, let's calm everybody down. I'm going to have a party. This is to kind of show everybody that everything's fine. And so he invites all of his royals to come. Even though the reign of Babylon is just about over. And the reign of the Medes and the Persians is about to begin. Remember chapter 2 of the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar had seen this dream of this statue. And Daniel told him that the head of the statue. Which was made of gold represented him. But the chest of the statue was silver. And that represented the Persians and the Medes. And on the back of your outline. You can see a little chart. And at the bottom of that chart. You'll see that the Babylonians uh Reign went about 46 years or so and then we come to the reign, or excuse me, the Babylonians reign uh, from 605 to Nebuchadnezzar's death and then we have the reign of the Medes and the Persians beginning. That's where we are right here in chapter 5 verse 1. Just at the cusp of the Medes and the Persians ready to begin their reign. Belshazzar has a party. A thousand royals come in. And as he's drinking wine, he gets this idea to call for the gold and silver goblets that his grandpa Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple of the one true God. Those were to only be utilized by the priests. We know from chapter one verse two of the book of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar had taken them and put them in the treasury and here Belshazzar calls for them and he's just going to pass them around for everybody to drink out of. This is a challenge. This is a rejection of the one true God. This is taking something sacred and making it um, unsacred. If this is, this is him Saying, My gods are greater than the one true God. It is a rejection of God. And we'll see that as the chapter unfolds. So that's what he does. They actually, we read in verse 4, as they drank from these sacred cups, instead of praising the one true God for whom those cups were designed, It tells us they praise the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And just as they're doing that, a hand appears. Now just think how scary that would be. You're at a big party and all of a sudden all you see is a hand writing something on the wall. It tells us it was so scary. That as this figure suddenly appeared, verse six says the king's face grew pale. And it says that his joints went slack and his knees began knocking together. He's scared. He looks like he's got the flu. He's sick with fear. And so he does what his grandpa did. He calls for all the wise men of the nation. Those sorcerers and conjurers. And says hey come tell me what this means. And yet it says in verse 8. That they could not read the inscription. Or make known its interpretation to the king. And that even scared the king more. Verse 9 says the king Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler. And his nobles were perplexed. Then the queen enters. Most likely this is not his wife. We know from verses two and three that his wives were already with him. Most likely this is his mother. And so his mom comes in and says, Son, calm down. Uh, there's a man named Daniel, and he's proved himself. He proved himself to Nebuchadnezzar. He's filled with knowledge. Let's get him. And at the end of verse twelve, it says, Let Daniel now be summoned. And he will declare the interpretation. Belshazzar doesn't realize it. At this point yet. But what is happening is this. Judgment from God. Has come upon him. That God will judge unbelievers. For their rebellion against him. Interesting news this week. Uh, if you saw it. Some guy in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Zoo thought it would be fun to hit a hippopotamus. Why? I don't know. But he climbed over all the barricades of the zoo. Somebody got him on film. He reached down and he slapped a hippo. Don't know why. What would possess a, this is not like some 17 year old guy. This is an adult man who just decided to be cool to go slap a hippo. He kind of wish the hippo would have turned his head and grabbed him and thrown him on the ground. But I don't think the hippo even sensed anything had happened. So this guy just goes up and he's, I'm going to go hit that hippo. And he just slaps him. You know, like, I can do what I want to do. If I feel like going to the zoo today and slapping a hippo, that's what I'm gonna do and nothing's gonna happen to me because I can basically do what I wanna do and, and nothing's gonna happen. And that's kind of the attitude that we find here in this man Belshazzar. I'm gonna do what I wanna do and nothing's going to happen to me. I can take these sacred goblets and I'm just gonna pass them around for my friends. And let them drink out of them. There is nothing sacred about these. In fact instead of worshipping the one true God. We are going to worship the God of gold and silver and bronze. Unbeknownst to him. God will judge him. For his rejection of the one true God. You know the New Testament tells us. The same thing that we can see in principle here in Daniel chapter 5. That God judges rebellion. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 2. If you want to turn over there with me. In Romans chapter 2 we find some Paul in chapter 2 addressing Jews. And he's saying to these Jewish people who are looking down on the pagans. Oh look at those pagans. Can you believe how bad they live? And they're thinking, we're doing pretty good compared to those pagans. Man, God is pleased with us. And here's what Paul says in verse 2 of chapter 2. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, oh man? When you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience. Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. And revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each person according to his deeds. You see Paul is saying to these ones. Who think they are good because of what they do, that they are guilty of sin, just like those that they're judging. In fact, in the end of chapter 3, verse 20, it says, But because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Just by Being uh, aligning with the Old Testament law. Does not make a person right with God. Why? Because nobody can do it. Nobody can be perfectly obedient. And Paul is saying. That what they are doing. By thinking they are good with God. But staying in it with rebellious heart. Not realizing that they are sinners themselves. That they are storing up judgment for themselves. You see, God judges those who stand in rejection of Him. And it's a reality that's not fun to think about. But it's reality. It's true. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. That God is going to bring judgment on those who reject Him. And what we see as the section continues in verses 13-24... through is that God is just in judging rebellion. You oftentimes hear people say. Well that's not fair. It's not fair for God to bring judgment on a person. Yes it is. And we see it here in Daniel chapter 5. We see it in the New Testament. That God is fair. God is just in judging unbelievers for their rebellion. Because of this. He's revealed himself to them. God is just in judging those who reject him because he's revealed himself. Look at these verses in verses 13 through 24 of Daniel 5 and the point that Daniel makes. We see in verses 13 through 17 that Daniel comes before Belshazzar and Belshazzar goes through the same thing. Hey, I'm going to make you a rich guy. I'm gonna give you fine clothes. I'm gonna put gold around your neck. I'm gonna elevate you to the third highest in the country. And Daniel says, keep your gifts. In fact, down in verse 17, keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king. And by the well, by the way, Belshazzar, remember this. Your grandpa Nebuchadnezzar, who is the most powerful man in the kingdom, he was powerful because God gave him that power. O King, verse 18, the most high God granted sovereignty, grander, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. But then down in verse 20 he goes on to remind him that he got all proud about it. His heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly. And he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. And Daniel goes on to remind him that Nebuchadnezzar ate grass like a cow. His his mind left him. And it was not until he recognized the one true God. Whose ruler over all. That he was actually uh, brought back to his reign. And then Daniel says this in verse 22, yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. He's saying, Belshazzar, you know about the one true God. You know his power. It's been demonstrated to you. And yet you've chosen to reject him. You have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And then down in verse 23 at the end it says, but the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. I was on five different airplanes this summer. Not my favorite thing. But we had to use them to get to where we were going. And you all have been on airplanes many times. Once you're on a flight, right at the very beginning, They have to go through that pre-flight talk with you. They teach you how to use a seatbelt. They talk about what happens if there's a sudden loss in cabin pressure and there's a little oxygen mask that will fall out of the ceiling and make sure you use it first and don't give any oxygen to your kids. They don't need it. (laughs) And then, and then they tell you if you Fall into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That You have a personal flotation device available to you. And and sometimes that was all done via the monitor on the back of the seat. Sometimes the flight attendant was standing there showing us how to use a seatbelt. And it's fun to look around at the people who are there. Because no one listens. You can just imagine... The lawsuit when someone who has ignored all the warnings. Hit turbulence. And they did not have their seatbelt fastened. And when the light was on. And they came on the loudspeaker and said. Get buckled up. We're headed in the turbulence. And they just kind of ignored it. And then they got hurt. And they go before the court. And their defense is. I wasn't listening. Probably not going to get very far with that. Right? And yet, here, we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament both teach that God has revealed himself. And it's not an excuse to say, I wasn't listening. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 says it this way in verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident with them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood through what has been made. So that they are without excuse. So, what Paul is saying is this even that person in the tropical forest of Papua New Guinea, who's never seen a Bible, has no excuse before God. There's no way that they can say, Well, I didn't know. Because the Apostle Paul says we should be able to just look out at God's creative work and know there must be a creator. When I was in uh, high school and college I had honeybees. I never could understand how someone could be a beekeeper and not believe that there is a, a God who designed it all. The intricacies of that beehive. Uh, every spring I go out and help a buddy here at Faith Bible Church band birds out at Wickiup Up Hill uh, near my house. And sometimes we'll get a bird that has been banded six years before. And that bird every year flies to Costa Rica and then it comes back to rural Toddville, Iowa. How? How do they know where to go? And they come back every year and they come back to that same place because God, because of God's design. And Paul is saying nobody has an excuse to say, I didn't know. Look around you. Do you think this just came from nowhere? The author of the book of Hebrews says we even have more testimony of the reality of God. Which is called special revelation by theologians. In the person of Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 1. That is the point that the author of the book of Hebrews is making. That we have a revelation of the Father in the person of Jesus Christ. God. After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets. In many portions and in many ways. In these last days has spoken to us in his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Through whom he also made the world. He's the radiance of his glory. The exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the power of his word. When he had made purification of sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much better than angels. As he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus Christ. Is the exact representation of the father. If you uh, get acquainted. If you get to know Jesus. You are getting to know the father. See. Throughout the new testament. We see the same reality. As in the old testament. That God is just. He is fair. And bringing judgment upon those. Who reject him because he's revealed himself to them and people choose to push God away which begs the question for all of us in this room how have i responded to god's revelation of himself right now have i put my trust in the son who who is the exact representation of the father do i believe in jesus christ do i believe that he is god Who died on the cross for me. And rose again from the dead. And if I'm pushing that. Revelation away. The only thing that's waiting for me right now. As I push away that revelation. Is God's judgment. Well verses 25 through verse 31. Tells us that that judgment. Is sure. Daniel interprets the dream. The mene mene tekel Upsharsin mene means to number, and he says, God's numbered your kingdom. The word tekel, you've been weighed on the scales and found deficient because it means to weigh. The word Paris is singular of the word upharsen which means to divide. And Daniel said that means your kingdom's been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. And Belshazzar says, Reward him! And then Belshazzar gets killed. And we know from writing outside of the Old Testament that what the Medes and Persians did is the Euphrates River went right through the heart of Babylon and they diverted the water of the Euphrates and then they used the, the riverbed as a means to get underneath the wall and they captured the city. You see, when God said judgment was coming, God's judgment is sure and that needs to be part of our worldview. That when God says that he's going to bring judgment upon those. Who stand in rejection of him. He means that judgment is going to come. Uh, several years ago in our men's ministry that meets on Wednesday mornings. We went through some material called the truth project. And the keynote speaker Del Tackett. Made this statement and it's stuck with me ever since. It was simply this. Do I really believe that what I believe is really real? Do I really believe that what I believe is really real? And that is applicable in so many ways. But especially applicable today as we talk about the reality of judgment upon those who right now stand in rejection of God and rejection of his son, the person Jesus Christ, that all that's waiting for them is judgment. We're going to see this as we go back to the book of Matthew next spring, but in Matthew chapter 25 verse 46, uh, it's just put so simply for us, there's two ends for people, either hell or heaven. And verse 46 says these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. And if we really believe in the reality of hell. It should be affecting how we interface with people around us. I was so encouraged by Gabby sharing about how she and her sister had an opportunity. To talk with their friend about Jesus. That should be replicated in all of our lives. Because if we really believe that what we believe is really real. All of those in our webs of relationship. All of those who are in the tropical forests of Papua New Guinea. Who've never heard the name of Jesus. All face the same fate. Why? Because they've pushed away the revelation that's already been given to them. A little booklet, booklet called How Lost Are the Heathen. Written by J. Oswald Sanders years ago. And in the end of the book he... Includes a little poem by A.B. Simpson. and Here it is. They are passing. Passing fast away. A hundred thousand souls a day. In Christless guilt and gloom. O church of Christ. What wilt thou say. If in that awful judgment day. They charged thee. With their doom. Just a reminder. That if we really believe. That what we believe. Is really real. The reality of judgment that faces everyone who stands in rejection of Jesus Christ is really real. If you're here today and if you don't know if you're right with God or not, one of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church will be back at the prayer room. And we've got some material we'd love to put in your hand. You can just take out your own Bible and look up passages of Scripture that help you know for sure that you're right with God when you put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of it and the truth of it. And help us, Father, as we uh, head into this week. Help us to be mindful of what you said can't be erased. It's really real. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.